This is Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks, and welcome to my podcast series, The Voice of Leadership. Today, we're going to be focusing on leadership lessons from one of the first black millionaires, and his name is Robert Reed Church. He was born on the 18th of June in 1839 in Holly Springs, Mississippi. However, he lived most of his adult life in Memphis, Tennessee, and he died on the 29th of August in 1912. He was born a slave and his mother was of mixed race, and she was a seamstress, and the slave owner was his father. And the slave owner was a steamboat captain. He taught Robert the steamboat business. However, he only allowed him to go as far as a black person was allowed to go in that industry, which was to be something like a steward on the ship. And he never really formally acknowledged him as a son, but kept him in slavery. So this gives you a little bit of an idea about his background and how he grew up. Despite all of this, he did find himself at some point on a ship that the Confederates had taken over. However, the Union forces came down and shot up a bunch of ships, sunk a lot of ships, and the ship that he was on surrendered. And so he was able to, to get out of the water, walk into Memphis, find that the Union flags were flying on the public buildings, and now he was a free man. So as a free man, he started building businesses. And one of the first businesses he had was a saloon in town, and he built a number of other businesses. But as he was successful, he found that he ran into so much opposition. And many of the white elites in the town would come to his business establishments and cause trouble. So he was shot a number of times and left for dead. Many times people tried to um, tear down his buildings and establishments. He got into a lot of brawls, a lot of fights in his early years. So the lesson I want to share with you from his life is something he learned and applied later after all of this. And what I call it is goodwill goes a long way. And he figured out that there was a way to participate in progress. And so here's what he did. He did several things. Because he was earning a lot of money and he was wealthy, because he was providing various services to the black community, he saw that at one time Memphis had gone into such a state of bankruptcy that he actually was the first person to donate money, to buy a bond, and to bail Memphis out of the, the crisis. So he had, a, he had a perspective that went just beyond himself. He says, if I can build Memphis... And if I can participate in that, I'm also building business for myself and for my community that I want to serve. Later, he wanted to really create a, a park and an auditorium that would be top line, first rate for black people, which they did not have at the time. 
He knew there would be tremendous opposition to him building such a wonderful facility. So an opportunity came along, which was this. The Confederate veterans wanted to have a reunion and they needed capital to build a temporary structure and they didn't have enough money. So he donated $1,000 to the effort. And this was a long time ago. We're talking about the early 1900s. That was a lot of money. And so because he did that, he was seen in a different light in the community. So weeks later, when he built his park and auditorium, it was a four-acre park, and it had 1,200 seats. Nobody burned it down. They allowed it to stand And the people in the black community were able to utilize that facility and to really enjoy it. Later on, he contributed $5,000 to the presidential campaign. And this is when Theodore Roosevelt was running for vice president and William McKinley was running for president. So because of that, he had favor with the White House. So later, when President McKinley was assassinated and President Theodore Roosevelt became president, he sent a letter to the White House and he encouraged President Roosevelt to invite Booker T. Washington, who was then kind of the leading leader in the black community, to invite him to the White House for a dinner. So in fact, Booker T. Washington went to the White House in 1901 and had dinner at the White House. This was certainly a phenomenal experience. He went another step further. He asked President Roosevelt to come to Memphis to the church park and auditorium and to speak to an all-black audience. And he actually did that in 1902. These were groundbreaking experiences. So Robert Reed Church went from getting into brawls and being shot multiple times to figuring out a way to participate in progress by practicing the strategy of goodwill going a long way. And even though he was still dealing with some people who very well could have been and still were in many ways enemies, he was able to get leverage and to move forward and to achieve many objectives that he otherwise would not have achieved. So how can you leverage this concept of goodwill goes a long way? You may be in a work environment or work situation where you don't agree with everything that's going on. And very few of us agree with everything that's going on at work. So the question is, where can you find or discover or create the collective good and pursue that? How can you invest where you live at work so that you reap the dividends both individually and collectively? So if you're feeling a little stuck and you're wondering, how could I do that? What is my path forward to goodwill? Then let's talk. You've been listening to The Voice of Leadership with me, Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks. For more information, please visit my website, transleadership.com. Music.